Let's go to the Lord in prayer once more together again before we look at the Word. Precious Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this time that we have to gather in worship of you today and also the study of your Word. Help us to be attentive to what you have to teach us. Lord, I pray that you would do a work through the power of your Word at work in us. Faith, we know, comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word. So, Lord, we give our hearing to the Word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you know what it means to live in the power of the resurrection? If I asked you to define living in the power of the resurrection, I kind of wonder what kind of answers I would get. I'm not going to ask you to answer that question, but I wanted you to think about that as we begin this morning. You know what it means to live in the power of the resurrection. I think a lady by the name of Corey Tenboom had a handle on living in the power of the resurrection. You might recognize the name Corey Tenboom. Great Christian lady of many years ago, great author also a survivor of the Holocaust. Corey Ten Boom understood the hope that she had in Christ. It made a remarkable difference in the way that she lived her life on this earth. I want you to lift, listen to a few of her words. She said these three, just three lines, very profound. She said, look around and be distressed. Look inside and be depressed. Look at Jesus and be at rest. That's the joy of living in the power of the resurrection. Corey Ten Boom knew that joy, I think. She had it right, I believe. Look around and be distressed. Look at this world that we live in. If you look around at this troubled world, there is plenty to cause you to be troubled and distressed. I don't advise it too much. But you can't avoid it, can you? You watch the news. You read the paper, right? You speak to your neighbors. You find out there's some things that go on in this world that aren't too pleasant. Some of you experience those things. If your focus is on the world, if you fix your thinking on earthly things, you're going to be discouraged. You're going to find plenty of reasons to be concerned. You're going to find plenty of reasons to be disheartened. But there's another place that you can fix your attention, and I think Corey Ten Boom had that right too. There's another place you can fix your attention that inhibits our proper focus from its proper proper place being Christ, and that is an inward focus. If you fix your thinking on earthly things, you'll find reason to be distressed. You focus on inward things, you'll find reason to be depressed, right? You look at yourself too much and you think about your own problems and your own difficulties and you focus, your focus is constantly internal and you're focused on the self and all your troubles, you're, you're going to be depressed. But when you focus on Jesus Christ, when your focus is on the risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Corey Tenboom understood this. You can be at rest. You can be at rest. I believe that she was one who took to heart the passage that we're going to look at this morning. 
Her focus was where it needed to be and what a difference it made in the life that she lived and how many people she has influenced with her godly life. We're going to the book of Colossians. Why don't you take your copy of God's Word and turn there with me. Would you please? Colossians chapter 3. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. That might help a little bit. Colossians chapter 3. The last time we were together in Colossians, we looked at Verses chapter uh, verses in chapter two verses sixteen through twenty three the second chapter of Colossians and I'd like to actually go back there for a moment let's go back there for just a moment to refresh our thinking if especially if you weren't with us for Colossians chapter two and these verses sixteen through twenty three I want to go there to kind of lay the foundation for where we're going this morning because it's helpful Colossians chapter two. Now let's begin with verse 16. I want you to look at your copy of the Word, and I'll read from mine, and you follow along, all right? Let's begin with verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism, and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Verse 20 says, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of this of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? And verse 21 highlights some of those such as, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used. You know, those human regulations, verse 22 points out, are according to human precepts and teachings. Those are human making, mankind made. Verse 23 says, These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Paul says, There's man-made religion. Man-made religion does you no good. All right? Christ, the head. Stay attached to the head. Stay focused on Christ, right, as you live the Christian life, instead of living as if we were still alive in this world, verse 20, God's children are to live in the power of the resurrection. In Colossians chapter 3, there are some very practical instructions for Christian living. Colossians chapter 3 is all about Christian living, living the Christian life. And there's some very practical instruction here. I'm I'm looking forward to our study here as we go through chapter 3 in the weeks ahead. In our future studies here in chapter 3, we're going to be taking note of things that we need to put to death. I didn't say people, I said things, okay? There are some things in our lives, right, that we need to get rid of. And the Bible says, put those things to death. What does that, what does that tell you, right? If it's dead, it ain't coming back, right? It ought not come back. So we ought to, there, there are some things we're going to talk about in the weeks ahead, about putting some things to death in our lives, things that need to be removed from the life of a believer in Jesus Christ. We're going to look at some of the, the sinful, earthly behavior that we need to turn from and reject. 
in the fact that we need to put on Christ and be Christ-like. And then we're going to see some of the positive qualities of the holiness that ought to be characteristic of the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. So that's where we're going in the weeks ahead. But first, as we're going to note this morning, we need to get our thinking straight. Did you ever have anybody tell you, you're just not seeing it. You know, you're not getting your thinking straight. Or perhaps, if you've been courageous, you've jumped on a, on a mountain bike. Maybe you haven't. I know that many people haven't, but in the last couple of years, we've really enjoyed living here because we go over to the trails. There's cross-country ski, ski trails just a short distance from here. And my boys and I will jump on mountain bikes, and we'll go just a distance to those ski trails and go up and down these hills. And there's one place I remember. I've never hit the tree there. But there's this one place where my thinking must be straight, or I will hit the tree. As you come down this large embankment, the rolling hills I'm flying, and I hate using the brakes there because I like to go fast. You ever do that? You like to go fast, right? You're looking at this tree, and it's right at the end of the trail, and the trail goes like this. Now, if you look at the tree, did you know this? If you look at the tree, you'll hit the tree. Do you know how hard it is to not look at the tree? Ah, I'm coming down the hill. Big tree. Breaks. I'm thinking about it. It's like, no, I want to go fast because the other hill is going up like this, and I, want, I don't want that to pedal too hard. So I'm trying to keep my momentum. But I learned this from reading a few years ago, that if you look where you want to go, if you look up the trail, racers do this, people who race cars, you know, they look where they want to go. They don't look at the turn. They look through the turn. If you look up the trail, and it works, if I get my eyes off the tree and I look up the trail, I can go really fast as long as I have good tires, good brakes occasionally, right? Your thinking needs to be straight. It's true of the Christian life. Your thinking better be straight. Let's get our thinking straight. Let's begin here in Colossians chapter 3 with verses 1 through 4. And let's begin to get our thinking straight. As a matter of fact, we're going to come back to this idea of having our thinking straight and look at some other passages from Scripture tonight about having right thinking because it really, our lives as believers revolve about the things that we think. As we think, so we do. So that's an important thought we're going to come back to tonight. I encourage you to join us for that. But, but we definitely need to get our thinking straight. It's true in mountain biking, so you don't hit too many trees. It's true in the Christian life. Our focus must be in the right place. Let's get it there. We need to live in the power of the resurrection. That's why I asked this morning if you understand what it means to live in the power of the resurrection. You see, living in the power of the resurrection... Believers are to live with an eternal perspective. You see, you get your eyes off of today, although that's tough, and you get your eyes on eternity. It doesn't mean that you don't live in today. It's like mountain biking. It doesn't mean I'm not on that bike going crazy fast and I'm hitting a turn. I'm thinking about the turn, but I'm thinking about where I want to be after the turn. Yes, you need to live your life today. And yes, God's Word has practical wisdom for living life today. And part of that practical wisdom is this. You have an eternity. <laughs> you have an eternity that you need to keep your eyes fixed on. Living in the power of the resurrection, believers are to live with an eternal perspective. And there are three aspects of living in the power of the resurrection from our passage this morning that I'd like you to see. 
I'm going to give you a quick glimpse in case you nod off. You'll know where we were when you come back, okay? You wouldn't do that, would you? Here's where we're going. First of all, seek things above. Seek things above. I'm giving away my whole outline right up front here, okay? Number two, set your mind on things above. Thirdly, expect Christ's return. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Let's go look at this passage together. You know, the outcome of living in the power of the resurrection by seeking things above, setting our minds on things above, and expecting Christ's return is that we ought to be, we should be, and we will be growing. And we ought to be living a Christ-centered life that exalts Christ and glorifies God and makes much of God with the way that we live. If we are living in the power of the resurrection, seeking things that are above, setting our minds on the things that are above, and expecting Christ's return, it will make a world of difference in how we live today. And when we live with our focus on Christ, we're going to live lives, and this is what the Lord intends, we're going to live lives that draw unbelievers to Christ. Because they will see that He's alive in you. If we fail to do this, our lives won't look much different than those of the world around us. And that's not what Christ intended when he said, go and make disciples of all nations. He wanted us to be Christ-like so people would see Christ alive in us. So let's look together. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, where we're going to learn to be heavenly-minded. Verse 1, follow along. If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You know, when I have the great privilege of baptizing a believer, I often say these words, buried in the likeness of his death, that's Jesus Christ, raised to walk in newness of life. What a beautiful picture baptism is of the change that takes place in the life of a believer. When Christ comes and indwells us, when we believe in Jesus Christ, you confess your sin and believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ comes and indwells us and begins to make us new. He gives us a new nature. And He begins to work in us, making us Christ-like day by day. And what a beautiful picture baptism is of that change that takes place in the life of a believer when when they are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, when they believe in Jesus Christ. We're reminded of this in the text. We've been raised with Christ. We have died, says verse 3. And you're looking around going, wait a minute. I'm, I'm breathing. You know, I can see things move. I can see the light. I think I'm alive. No. The Scriptures say you have died. Your old nature has died. The old man has died. You're supposed to be a new creation. We've been raised with Christ. We have died, verse 3, and... The life we now live is hidden with Christ in God. You know, as we live in the power of the resurrection, our lives are 
are changed. They're transformed. But you might be thinking, well, okay, how, how do I live in the power of the resurrection then? Well, first we must seek things above. Number one, seek things above. Now, lest you think that this is some heavenly you know, mind game, it's not. Let me, let me give you some instruction here. I want you to notice the instruction in verse 1. To seek the things that are above, John MacArthur notes that the present tense of the Greek word used here means keep seeking. It doesn't mean, you know, well, okay, Tuesday I'm going to start seeking things above and I'll be done about noon. It means keep seeking. It's a daily activity. It's a daily living with purpose. Keep seeking, says MacArthur. He says that this keeping on seeking daily, it indicates that a preoccupation with the eternal realities that are, that are ours in Christ is to be the pattern of the believer's life. A, a preoccupation, he says, preoccupied with the eternal realities that are ours in Christ. Have you ever thought about the eternal realities that are yours because you are Christ's? They're not yours because you earned them. Impossible. They're not yours because you're such a great person. You're good people. You're not that great, okay? Because God's Word says we're all sinners, doesn't it? See, we can't earn eternal realities. They're ours in Jesus Christ. It reminds us of the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 where he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's not your righteousness, right? It's his righteousness that we seek and all these things will be added to you. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. Paul says and reminds us here to seek the things that are above. And this is not just a passing thought. It's not like a you know, a spiritual how-do-do, oh, this is nice, seek things that are above, oh, yeah, you too, seek things that are above, and we go about our way and don't do anything about it. Let's look at Jesus' words in context. I want you to put your finger here in Colossians and go back to the book of Matthew, where I read verse 33 a moment ago in chapter 6, Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, let's begin there and look at this verse that I just read in context. Matthew 6, verse 31. Jesus says, Matthew six thirty one. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, "What shall we eat, or, or what shall we drink, or what, what shall we wear?" For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And then verse thirty three. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Thirty four. Verse thirty four. Therefore. Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now I want you to think about this. With our, with our priorities straight, and we seek first the kingdom of God, we don't have to be weighed down by today, do we? We don't have to be weighed down by tomorrow. Hey, today's not going anywhere unless the Lord returns today. Tomorrow's not going anywhere unless the Lord returns before tomorrow. But he says, think heaven. Think eternity. Remember what you have. Think about the eternal realities that are yours in Christ. When our priorities are straight and we seek first the kingdom of God, we don't have to be weighed down and anxious over earthly 
troubles. I'm not suggesting that there's going to be no earthly troubles. <laughs> Quite to the contrary. I, I know there are going to be earthly troubles. Right? You know there are going to be earthly troubles. That's why, you know, we know when we got, Carolyn's dad came up the other day, and it was fun having Grandpa here, right, guys? And he brought his neat little boat, and we took it over, and we put it in the water, and we went, nothing happened. Okay. Well, that was disappointing. You kind of expect things to happen. You never know when. Al Bloomquist told me before the service this morning. A friendly deer jumped out in front of their car yesterday, right? Don't you just, well, we, I, I love living in northern Michigan. I love the deer, too, but that, that happens, doesn't it? And we go, oh, man, and worse, right? I'm not saying there's not going to be anxiety, no, no, no troubles, and no difficulty, Right? But when we think about the eternal reality and what lies ahead and what God has given Jesus Christ to prepare for us in all of eternity, doesn't it make today just a little bit different? And you go, wait a minute. I'm sorry, Al, but that car, it doesn't mean anything, does it? You know that, don't you? The boat, you know, that, the battery, well, you know, that, it was, what's most important is, is our response to that difficulty, isn't it? Get your priorities straight. And your Heavenly Father will see to it that you have what you need. A friendly reminder here. He, he knows what you need. Okay? It's okay if you tell Him what you think you need. But what, what He knows you need might be different than what you think you need. But get your priorities straight. Fix your eternal, eternal perspective on heaven. Don't live for today. Don't live for tomorrow. Live for eternity. Live bigger than today. You know, isn't it easy for us to get it backwards? Instead of seeking first the kingdom of God, instead of seeking things that are above, we easily get caught up with earthly cares and concerns. We easily get our, you know, we get this tunnel vision. We fix our sight on primarily on today. And so we go around putting out all these little fires all day. And then the next day happens. And we run around putting all those little fires out, right? But what we need to do is seek things that are above. And as we do that, our earthly cares are, are put into an eternal perspective. We won't spend our time needlessly stewing or fretting. I'm not saying you'll never find yourself there. You might find yourself there and you... Then you get your thinking straight. And you say, wait a minute. God knows about this. I'm going to take it to Him in prayer anyway. I'm going to trust Him for the answer. I'm going to trust Him for what I need in this situation. And we won't spend endless time stewing and fretting. We'll, we'll rest in the confidence of, of knowing that Christ is in control and He will take care of our concerns. The hymn writer said it so well. Oh soul, are you, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There is light for a look at the Savior, a life more abundant and free. So turn your eyes upon Jesus, right? Look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. As we seek things that are above, it is crucial to remember that above is where Christ is. 
Above is where Christ is. Verse 3, look at it again. Seated at the right hand of God. This is so critical. Sometimes people have a vision of heaven where everyone is floating around on a cloud and playing a harp, right? You know, that's the way they do it in the movies. Oh, you go to heaven, you got a cloud of your own, you got this harp, you got wings now. Seems really boring. I don't, you know, I shouldn't say this. Harps are okay, they're just not my thing. Boring, that seems kind of boring to me to have to, you know, be stuck on a cloud playing a harp for all of eternity. I don't think that's heaven at all. I hope you don't think that's heaven. But sometimes we kind of get our minds into something like that, don't we? We go, oh, you know, well, heaven's got to be wonderful, but eternity? What's up with eternity, you know? There's a song Chris Rice sings. He says, what's up with eternity? And I laugh every time I hear that. I think, eternity is so special, isn't it? Eternity. Why is eternity so so special? Because Jesus Christ is going to be there. That's why. Jesus Christ, who is your life. This is so critical. We need to understand that Christ is there. Christ is in heaven. Seated at the right hand of God. Christ is the key. Christ is the focus. What Christ has done for you ought to make you look forward to being in heaven with Him. He's seated at the right hand of God. It is an exalted position. Hebrews 8, chapter 1 says, Now the point... And what we are saying is this, we have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. You see, Christ is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. Beautiful imagery, isn't it? Think about it, though. That's where Christ is. Think about his power and his exalted place. Think about the significance of seeking things above. And I think the significance is this, that is the fact that above is where Jesus is. Above is where Jesus is. It's where Jesus Christ is in His exalted position. And, and we have, and this is so special, not because of anything we've done, we have been raised with Christ. That's our position because of Christ. You know, when we're passionate about the Lord Jesus Christ, when we're seeking things above, what a difference it's going to make in our lives on, on this earth. Our affection for Him should permeate every area of our life. I was thinking about this. There's an illustration I, I read recently of a fellow who was written about in in a San Francisco newspaper many years ago, reported that a young man who had found a $5 bill on the street resolved to never look up again because as he was looking down, he would find all these valuable things for the rest of his life. The paper went on to say that over, over the years he accumulated, among other things, this is astounding, this blows my mind, 29,516... Buttons. Ah, you thought it was something else, didn't you? Fifty-four. Don't. Uh, that's okay. Fifty-four thousand one hundred and seventy-two pins. What an eagle eye! Here's the kicker: twelve cents. Bent back. A bent back. 
and a miserly disposition. You know what? He also lost something. He lost the glory of sunlight. Did you ever find that when you're struggling in your day, it helps to look outside? God intended that to be. For you to look at the daylight. For you to look at the sky He created. To look at the creation He made. He lost the beauty of the stars that we enjoy here in northern Michigan at night. When the lights are off, and you go outside and you go, oh my word, look at all those stars. He lost the smiles of friends and he lost the beautiful blue sky that God created. The Daily Bread said several years ago about this fellow, I'm afraid that some Christians are like that man. While they may not walk around staring at the sidewalk, they are so engrossed with the things of this life that they give little attention to spiritual and eternal values. Perhaps they've gotten a taste of some fleeting pleasure offered by the world, and they've been spending all their time pursuing it. But that is dangerous. When God's children, who are seated with Christ in the heavenlies, give their affection and attention to a world that is passing away, they lose the upward look. Their perspective becomes distorted and they fail to bask in heaven's sunlight. Taken up with the baubles of this world, they become defeated, delinquent Christians. Buttons, pins, and pennies, but no treasures laid up in heaven. The Apostle Paul said, and then to quote Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. And they go on to say, to live for the things of this world is to miss life's best. Let's set our sights on the heights. The heights of heaven, where Jesus is. That's your place because of Christ. You see, our affection, our priority, our passion, our focus must be centered on Christ. We must seek things above we must also set our mind on things above. Set our mind on things above. That's number two. Set your mind on things above. Look at it again. Verse two. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Now, if you and I are going to live in the power of the resurrection, our thinking must be transformed in this area. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Pretty high standard, isn't it? That's God's standard. You see, if we're going to set our mind on things above, then we need to know God's Word, don't we? We had better be students of God's Word. We had better be people who live the book too. Soak it up. Saturate our hearts and minds with God's Word. So much so that we can't help but obey it. If we're going to think on things above, we've got to read and study and memorize and meditate God's Word. I'm not saying that that's what you do all day long, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, nothing else. 
But you had better be a person who's saturated by the word because you happen to live in a world that is not saturated by the word. And we've got to hear God's word taught accurately also. You've got to read and study, and you've got to go and hear godly teaching, biblically, Christ-centered, accurate Bible teaching. That's why you're here, I trust. Because we want to know the word, don't we? You know, we can't think on things above when our thinking is worldly. You can't. Charles Spurgeon put it this way, If I had a brother who had been murdered, what would you think of me if I daily consorted with the assassin who drove the dagger into my brother's heart? Surely I too must be an accomplice in the crime. Sin murdered Christ. Will you be a friend to it? Sin pierced the heart of the incarnate God. Can you love it? You see, the only way we push sin out of our lives is to pour God's Word in and to live in the power of Jesus Christ and live in the power of the resurrection. We as followers of Christ are to be in the world, yes. That's why we're still here. Because God wants us here. We are to be in the world. But God's children are not to have the world in them. All right? You are not to have the world in you. Set your mind on things above. Saturate yourself with God's Word. Allow His Holy Spirit to direct your thinking. Some time ago, I grabbed a handful of sunflower seeds that had been in a sealed plastic bag. They were in the close vicinity of um, my favorite green cleaner, Simple Green. Anybody else like that? Great stuff. I love that stuff. He's got this bottle of it, and I've got this rag that I use to wipe down some things with. They're not always filthy, but, you, you know, fingerprints and things like that build up. Nastiness, you know. And I'll put this on there. I, I grabbed these sunflower seeds. They had been in the close vicinity of that rag and the bottle, all sealed up, but and the seeds were sealed up, but I threw the seeds in my mouth and started chewing. I was like, oh, these, these taste like simple green. I've never tasted simple green, but I thought I had. I was like, ooh, man, these are bad. Spit Trash, spit them out, threw the bag away, didn't eat those anymore. Now, I'm convinced that nobody poured simple green on my sunflower seeds, and I'm convinced that they didn't touch each other. But you know what? They were in the close vicinity of this saturated rag and this bottle, and I have a sneaking suspicion that being in close proximity saturated the sunflower seeds with the taste of simple green and not the other way around. I didn't taste the simple green to see if they taste like sunflower seeds, but that's wise, right? But that's the life of a believer, isn't it? You saturate yourself with the things of God. How do you do that? You get yourself in close proximity to the things of God. How do you do that? Read God's Word. Study God's Word. Apply it to your life. Live it. Put yourself in close proximity to God-centered biblical teaching. That's how you do it. Saturate yourself with the things of God. And think heavenly. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, Paul challenged the church to be rooted and built up in Christ. Now that only happens when you become Bible-saturated, obedient followers of Christ. And then here in our passage today, he challenges the church to set your minds on things above. That's only possible when you deliberately saturate your life with God's Word and sound teaching from God's Word. 
It, it won't happen by osmosis. It won't happen by mistake. You can put your Bible underneath your pillow and sleep on it. I, I really don't think it's going to do, do you that much good. All right? You've got to open it and read it. You know, it was of the church at Laodicea that Jesus said, So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my, my mouth. Revelation 3.16. See, believers are to be in the world. That's why we're still here. But the world is not to be in believers. We are to be salt that does the work that it's intended to do. We're to be light that illuminates for Jesus Christ. And that's what believers must be in this world. Set your minds on things above. And do so, number three, expecting Christ's return. That's the third aspect of living in the power of the resurrection. Expect Christ's return. How many of you, no hands please, but think about it. How many of you live your days thinking, I wonder if today Jesus is going to come back. I have to confess that I don't think that way. I don't think that way very often. And I say shame on me as I'm studying this passage. I'm thinking, you know what? That's a, that's a shame that I don't think more about Christ's return. You know why? Here's why. Because uh, I was thinking about how we do our grocery shopping. I should say how Carolyn does our grocery shopping. She takes the car and a couple of helpers, and she goes and she fills. It's amazing how much food you can get in our car. You know, all this food in our car to feed ten people. And, and then every once in a while, she'll call and she'll say, I'm at such and such a store. I'm going to be leaving here in about five minutes. I'll probably be home before too long. I hang up the phone and I go, kids, mom's going to be home in about 15 minutes. 20 minutes maybe, all right? Be ready. Shoes are ready, you know. When, when mom pulls in the driveway, it's like an army out the front door. We get all the food, bring it in, fill the table. About five minutes, you know. But why? Because they were expecting mother's return, right? They were expecting mama to come out and pull in the driveway and bring them all this food that they're not allowed to touch until we tell them they can, right? Don't open that. But they came rushing to the door when mama got there because they were expecting mama to show up. You ever live your day like that? Ready for Christ's return. Living your day for Christ because you want to glorify God with the way that you live because you know any day now, Jesus Christ could return. Jesus Christ is coming again. You know that, right? He's not going to call you on the phone and tell you He's coming. It's in the Word. Note this quote from today in the Word. They say, Biblical prophecy provides some of the greatest encouragement and hope available to us today. Just as the Old Testament is saturated with prophecies concerning Christ's first advent or first coming, so both Testaments are filled with references to the second coming of Christ. One scholar has estimated that there are 1,845 references to Christ's second coming in the Old Testament where 17 books give it prominence. In the 260 chapters of the New Testament, there are 318 references to the second advent or second coming of Christ. An amazing one out of every 30 verses. 23 of the 27 New Testament books refer to this great event. For every prophecy in the Bible concerning Christ's first advent, there are eight which look forward to his second. 
Amazing, isn't it? It's God's Word. How good God's instruction is for us today. Do you see it? How good God's instruction is for us today as we live on planet Earth and we await Christ's return. Think on things above. Where Christ is seated. Are you daily seeking the things that are above? Are you daily setting your mind on things above? Are you daily living in anticipation of Christ's return? Are you prepared for Christ's return? I have to ask you today, have you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you confessed your sin? Have you realized that you're a sinner? First of all, you've got to back up and say, you know what, I am a sinner. I, I do think things that are wrong. I do do things that are not pleasing to God. That makes me a sinner. Are you, are you ready to confess your sin to God and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? It's a simple prayer, but it's not an easy thing to do for some. Are you ready for Christ's return? Have you trusted your life to Christ? Don't wait another day. You can do so today. I encourage you to see me after the service. We're going to sing a song in a moment. If you would like and you want to come forward and, and come to me at the front, I'll, I'll pray with you or I'll have someone else meet with you and pray with you and they can show you in God's Word how you can know Christ personally. Don't let another day go by. If you want to pray right where you're at and confess your sin, God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe in Jesus Christ. Please save me from my sin. You can be his child. You can be ready for Christ's return today. Don't let another day go by. If, if you are ready, and I, and I trust that you are, I hope that you are ready, then your life is going to be lived far differently than your neighbor who does not know Christ if you live with an eternal perspective. If you think on the things of heaven, and if you await Christ's return, you're going to think far different than your neighbor does who does not know Christ, which is just what God intended. If you're living in anticipation of your life with Christ in heaven, it ought to change the way you live today. And it may even make you kind of a strange person compared to some others in this world. But that's okay. Because God's going to use that to influence others toward Him. Your life changed by Christ ought to impact your neighbors, you know? You may not see them all come to Christ in saving faith, but they ought to notice there's something different about you. And they, whether they ever talk to you about it, they ought to notice and they ought to wonder, what is it they have that I don't have? And God may give you opportunity to speak and tell them about Jesus Christ. Is that your passion? Is that where your focus is? Are you living in the power of the resurrection today? I hope that's your desire. I had to check my own life as I came through this passage this week to study, to prepare, to, to give this to you. didn't realize that I didn't live every day. I don't live my days thinking about eternity. So many days I'm thinking about today. Is that you? You struggle with that? Let's go to the Lord this morning in prayer and ask for His help. We need it, don't we? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do come before you this morning realizing how difficult it is at times to live 
in the power of the resurrection because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But knowing, as we find in Colossians chapter 3 this morning, that we have the privilege of being raised with Christ. Not because of anything that we've done, but because of Christ and His sacrifice for us on the cross, taking all of the punishment for all of our sins, every one of them, all of the ones that we've committed, all of the ones we're going to commit. Or we know that that doesn't give us liberty to live any way we want. So we ask now for your help in living in a way that's Christ-like because we've been raised with Christ. Lord, help us to seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Lord, help us to set our minds on things that are above. Lord, help us not, not dwell on earthly things. Yes, we have to deal with earthly things, but help us to not fix our attention there permanently. Help us to set our minds and get our thinking straight on things that are above, because that's where Christ is. And and we've died to our old life. We have a new life with Christ that's hidden with Christ, and it's in God, and we're so thankful for that. So, Lord, help us. Because we know that when Christ, who is our life, appears, then we will also appear with him in glory, and we take great hope in that and great comfort in that. So, Lord, I pray today that you would help us to yield our lives to you to live our days in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ because it's in Jesus' name we pray this. And we ask for the help of the indwelling spirit of Jesus Christ. Amen.